Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Thanks for joining me for this next part of our study from 1 Thessalonians. We've entitled Every Day, Experiencing Jesus in the Routine of Life. And today we come to chapter 5, actually the next portion of chapter 5. Today we want to talk about this, and this is my title for today, Act Right in Church. Act Right in Church. Now, uh, Julie and I were talking recently about, because we had the privilege, by the way, of growing up in church. Our parents went to church when, you know, for all of our lives. So we had this experience. Some people don't have that experience. We talked about what did it mean to act, like, act right in church when we were kids. And here's the list we came up with. Number one, no gum. <laughs> and the second uh, requirement was if you failed to do number one, that says if a gum was removed, it was not to be stuck under the seat. Okay, <laughs> No snacking. Don't make any noise. you got to be quiet. Sit still. No fidgeting. I'm sure that was very difficult for us in those days. This one was exclusively hers, not mine. No note passing. Maybe I should explore that story a little more. You wore your good clothes to church. You didn't wear your play clothes to church. Uh, you would shine your shoes. Uh, for her, the requirement was to carry your Bible. That was not so much in my experience. Uh, add this one. The church bulletin was not to be folded into paper airplanes. <laughs> no running. You pay attention. No sleeping. Don't play on your iPhone. Actually, I just made that one up. That isn't true. <laughs> they weren't invented in those days. You know, maybe you have children or grandchildren today, and you, you tell them, well, when I was a child, we didn't have a smartphone. And they'll look at you and say, well, how did you play your games? You know, that sort of thing. So take that one out. That's just for fun. Pay attention, no sleeping. Stand when appropriate. No laying down on the pews. All these things about what it means to act right in church. Well, I do want to remind you as we study this today that when we're talking about church, we're not talking about a place. And all those things were focused. And I understand this. This is a good thing to think about. That the place that we've reserved for worship, in, in essence, in our minds at least, is a sacred space. We want to treat it differently because this is, within this space we are communicating with God. We're communing with God. We're praising and worshiping our God. But more than just the space... What he talks about today, we think about acting right in church and within the community of believers, the fellowship of believers, this group of people that are living together for Christ in a, in a corporate way, that this is more about honoring a sacred person than it is honoring a sacred place. The person before whom we come is, is sacred, he's special, he's one of a kind, he's unique, he's God. And with that in mind, these commands that we look at here in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. It's going to help us understand that uh, more than we typically do. So we've looked at these last few commands given here in chapter 5, a, a list of them. They're very short, very brief, very pointed. We looked at uh, verses 16, 17, 18 last time in our study. Today we're going to look at 19, 20, and 21, and 22. And let me just read these verses. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to have it open and follow along. It'll really help, you, help us in our study. Verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
And with those words, we conclude the teaching portion of His Word. Next time when we're together, we're going to look at the last few verses, which is sort of the, the closing greeting and wishing well wishes, if you want to say it that way, of those that are receiving the letter. And we're going to learn some very valuable lessons from that as well. Today we'll look at these last commands because they seem to be all related to what we do as a community of believers, what we do in church. That's the reason the title, Act Right in Church. Well, let me just start with this, this sort of uh, general statement to help us all. The health and the effectiveness of the Christian community is ensured by, our, us, by us acting right. And here's three very key components of our acting. So we, we enhance our effectiveness. In this world, you understand, if we're going to be influential, if we're going to invite others to our, our Christ, our Savior, the one that we love and serve, to have them open their hearts to Him, our actions corporately together in the sacred encounter with the person of God. Oftentimes we might do that in a place that we also considered sacred, but the sacred person of God, that affects our effectiveness and it also affects the health of the body of believers. It also helps our own personal spiritual health and development as well. So let's look at these. First one is verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. So we do this action through the work of the Spirit, through allowing the work of the Spirit. Okay? So he says, do not quench the Spirit. So the Spirit there, if you see it in your text, is in a capital letter. It's with, it's with capitalized. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, who's mentioned throughout Scriptures. And we, this is too big for our brains to really understand, but we understand that God is three and also one. So that doesn't make much sense mathematically or even totally logically, but God is beyond us, so we just have to take Him as He describes Himself. So there's one God, but in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's saying, don't quench the Spirit's work. Now the word quench is key to our understanding. It means like to put out a flame, putting water on a flame. And there are many places in Scripture, Isaiah 4, 4 is an example, Matthew 3, and particularly in Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where the Spirit of God comes upon the church for the first time in the way we experience it today. It says they were like little flames of fire, little tongues of fire came into that room and sat on each of their heads. And, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you want to use that terminology. And God empowered them to do great and amazing things that day and in days yet future for the church. So fire. Now fire, it, it, it warms us. It gives light. And it also purifies things. Things are purified through heat and through fire. All those are roles that the Spirit of God wants to play in our lives, okay? So to purify us, help us to become more Christ-like, to be taking off those things that are evil. And we'll come back to that about in verse 22 in just a few moments. But also to give us light, to give us the ability to see His truth as revealed in the Word of God, to understand it, to figure out how to apply it in our lives, to empower those who teach the Word of God, and that's the next thing we're going to come to where He talks about prophecies, that we empower people to be able to communicate in a way so that what is here is understood here and lived out in the totality of our life. So with that in mind, we have to understand we shouldn't quench the Spirit of God. And also the warmth. That's that energy imparting that give us power and energy to live the spiritual life. All those things are pictures of the Spirit. But then he says, don't quench the Spirit. So how can we, who are humans, quench or snuff out the working of God in the person of the Spirit of God? It seems kind of strange, but it's what it says in the text. And simply by our disobedience, by our refusing to do what He's wanting us to do, by doing what He wants us not to do, our willful disobedience, we are retarding His work. Because He has chosen to live within us. That's the reason Paul wrote the Corinthian believers when he says that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. God 
doesn't reside in a temple like he did in the Old Testament, but he resides within us in the person of the Spirit. With his residing in us, he wants to work through us. And if we're disobedient, we are not allowing that work to go as it should and flow as it should. So how does this work out in life? Well, first of all, we need to sense and support his work. We need to just say, Lord, where are you working? Give me a sense. Give me an awareness of it within the body, within my life, my family, my experience. In other words, try to catch God doing his best work. And sometimes he does it very subtly and very behind the scenes. But nonetheless, he wants to speak to us. He wants us to, to find his, to tell us where he's at work. And we need to do that in the local church. We need to do that in, in our church and look around. And me as a pastor needs to do that for our local church. Where's God working? A couple of ways that I've noticed, and I've shared this with you before if you're part of our local church family here in Charleston, that, uh, that, that he's sending visitors all the time. You know, in a time when people are still trying to stay away a little bit and a little leery about coming, we have visitors all the time. God is prompting their hearts. There was someone with us recently, and, and I asked this, uh, this lady, I said, well, and I'll do this question often with people just to kind of get some understanding. I said, how did you come to be with us today for worship? And she said, well, actually, I was trying to get to another church, and I, I kind of messed up my directions, and I wound up here. <laughs> I, said, I told her, I said, I said friend, uh, you may consider this an accident, but somehow, for some reason, this is an appointment, whether it's just to worship with us for this one day, or we'd like to give you the invitation to worship with us in days going future, but he had you here for this day. So God's bringing people. He's still calling people out and interested in his word. Also, I say it with, with care. We've, we've launched a real initiative of our local church, with, with care ministry. And so many people have jumped in. They're excited about it. They, they do anything they can to serve and care for others. And, and the, those that are involved in the organ, organization and administration of this are, are likewise excited about to where we're going and seeing great things happen through the, the ministry of care. So uh, that, we see those things. So you identify and then you support them. I don't get in the way of that. I don't want to stop that. Let me just tell you an example uh, that maybe would help us understand this. Uh, back in the, in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, Joshua's now, it's after 40 years in the wilderness, they left Egypt all those years ago, and as they left Egypt, they, they're coming to this place of promise, as they head into the land of promise, they cross the Jordan River, they go up and they, they face Jericho, this walled city, you know that story, the walls eventually fall down flat, they conquer it, and the next little city is just a little town, a little out of the way place called Ai. Joshua says, I'm not going to send the whole army up there, we don't need that, just send a few men up there, we're going to take over that city. Well, they come back in defeat. Several people lost their lives. And if you read that story, it's all uncovered that one person among that group, his name is Achan. God had given very clear instructions, the things of Jericho you don't take for yourself. This is not about you getting something greedily. So he sees some things, he, he covets them, he takes them, he hides them under the, under the dirt, under, under the floor of his tent. And they're hidden there. It's revealed as God reveals it. And because of one man's disobedience, it led to disaster. I tell you, when it comes to the work of God in my local church or the work of God beyond even this local church, I don't want to be the guy who messes it up because I'm not sensitive to and supporting the work of the Spirit. So just need to ask how that works. And it works in harmony with the next two things that we want to talk about as we go through this. But he says, do not. This is a command. Again, it's one of those imperatives. We talked about this last week. Uh, the, the subject of the sentence does not appear in the text. So you have to supply the you. You can read it this way. You do not quench the Spirit. You are not to quench the Spirit. You're not to retard His work through your willful disobedience. Him encouraging you to do something, and you say, nope, not going to do it. I'm afraid. I'm too busy. got my own agenda. Or Him saying, you need to pull back from that. 
You need to stay away from that. You need to put that out of your life so I can have freedom to work through you in an uninhibited way. And with that in mind, we come to this point to understand that God wants to use us. Don't quench the Spirit. Secondly, we do this work of, of God, of influencing the world and us are doing our own personal growth. It is through the work of the Spirit, but secondly, it is through attention to His Word. Now, if you come to verse 20, it's a little odd to us because he uses a particular word. He says, do not despise prophecies. We usually think of prophecies as being that announcement of what's going to happen in the future. I, I get it here in the present, but what's going to happen out there in the future? But prophecy can be any instruction of God, information that God wants to give us directly. Now, Paul writes this to the church of Thessalonica very early in his, uh, his missionary ministry, if you want to say it that way. And it could be as early as the early 60s A.D., you know, less than 30 years or somewhere around 30 years after Jesus was on the earth. So very early in this, this whole thing of the church. So the Bible was not completed. In fact, this is probably the first recorded letter of Paul. Certainly could be the earliest one that makes it into the pages of Scripture. So this is very early. So the Bible has not been complete. The New Testament is not complete yet. The book of Acts records the history. So we're, not even ha we're about halfway through the book of Acts when the events of Thessalonica take place. So they had to have men who God spoke through through giftedness to speak to them prophetically. It was still the Word of God, but it came not from the written text, but through a person. Now, we also understand 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that the day will come when prophecies, they will cease, they will stop. I think that's primarily because we have the Word of God. We no longer need a person getting direct revelation from God because it's in the Word of God. Now we have people who are not foretelling the future or getting some new information, but they are telling and giving forth what God has already written and teaching and making it understandable and encouraging us to do that today. And that's what we're trying to do right now as we study God's Word together. So we need to value and then also evaluate biblical teaching. Now in their day, everybody is about the same spiritual age, all right? Paul has come, those that trusted Christ either got saved when he was there or they became to Christ shortly thereafter. So there's not somebody that's you know, been walking with the faith 60 years and then they're teaching a new believer. They're all sort of on the same level. And I think there would have been a temptation in their day to say, well, just a few months ago, we were out in the party crowd. We were out doing things we shouldn't be doing. And now he's trying to tell me he's speaking for God. This just doesn't make sense. So they would tend to devalue that. He says, despise, look down on the prophecies. No, know this, God's trying to speak to us. Different set of circumstances for us today because we have this, this precious gift of the Word of God that we value and we love, and we have access to it any time. What a great treat that is. But he says, don't look down. If God's speaking, we need to understand that. Value it. You're valuing it with your time today. And I say this to the folks that I teach in person. And I'm so, I mean, sometimes I get asked, well, what, what's your church all about? What's, what's it like? How would you describe it? And every church sort of has a, every congregation has its own sort of personality. But this is what I say often, and I love saying it because it's true. And it's, it's, it reflects well on our congregation. But I say, this is a group of people that love the Word of God. They love the study of the Word of God. They love to learn. They love to put it in their lives. They understand and appreciate it. I also said, uh, when I taught this live, also I said, you know, there are people out there that are taking notes. And I said, sometimes your notes are far better than the notes I try to use to get my thoughts together. Because you're trying to record it, trying to understand it, trying to live it. So you value it. And then secondly, evaluate it, okay? That's where he says in verse 21, test all things, hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. Now, there are going to be people 
who will give the appearance of teaching the Word of God, but they have a motive that doesn't match that. And there's been some warning already in this book, and there's very many warnings in the New Testament about it. The book of Jude is almost all about the warning of false teaching. Second Peter is also another one of those books, but it mentioned, it's mentioned many places where there are those who appear to be a teacher of the Word of God, but it's for using this as an opportunity just to make money. There's nothing wrong with a pastor or a missionary or a servant of God receiving a salary and being, you know, supporting their family, but it's not the goal. The motivation shouldn't be enrichment. The motivation should be, I want to give this message to you. This is what God wants you to know and understand. Now, we all want to be growing and living together. So there's those that, that's out there. So he says you need to test all things. Well, how do you test all things? Well, you have to have a standard whereby to test it. In other words, here's the right Let's compare what's going on. Does it match? match? Does it mesh? So fortunately for us, Paul is in the process of producing part of that as he was writing this, and now it's preserved for us. And by the way, we'll look at this next time, but he says over in verse 27, it says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. You read this. You understand this. We have God's Word. So we test what we're hearing and being taught by looking at, at, at the Word of God, making sure it matches. There's an example of this you find in the Bible. It's actually in Acts 17. Acts 17 also tells the story of the founding of the church at Thessalonica. Paul had been run out of Philippi, and that's the story of the Philippian jailer. I made reference to in the last session to that, where there Paul and Silas are in jail in stocks, and God sends an earthquake, and, and the Philippian jailer and his family come to Christ, all that great story in Acts 17. But then they, the people in Thessalonica, or in Philippi, he leaves. He goes to Thessalonica. The people there receive him. He preaches for three Sabbath days in a row in the synagogue, then he has to leave. The people in the synagogue, even though they believed in the Old Testament, many of them rejected Paul's teaching, and he had to leave that early. And then he goes and speaks to the Gentiles. A church is formed, both Jew and Gentile. And then another ruckus comes up. He's, he's forced to leave. In fact, the people of Thessalonica, please leave. We don't want anything bad to happen to you. And he goes to the next city, and this is also in Acts 17, the city of Berea. Speaking of the synagogue experience, not the believers who embrace faith in Christ, he says, those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Because when he taught them, it says they studied the scriptures to see if these things were so. So Paul's preaching about a coming Messiah. They go back and they look it up in their scrolls. They look it up to see that it's true. And they gave it a fair test. It wasn't just a prejudice. It wasn't accepting everything. It wasn't rejecting everything. It was, let's see what we're looking at and let's compare it by the Word of God. And may God help us to do that. May God help us to always test things. And if someone's teaching, compare it to the Word of God. Now, in today's world, we have all kinds of media, more than any other point in my life, all kinds of media. The fact that I can record this today and, and put it online just in a, in a few minutes after we're done and to preserve this as a part of a complete series, it's amazing technology. You know, we stream our live services and, and oftentimes we use that recording here and sometimes I'll come in into this studio and record it here depending on the circumstances. But but, you know, you can find Bible teachers on every subject. It's not hard. Just, uh, you know, Google and search. It's out there. You can flip on the religious channel on TV. You can click on non-religious channels but have religious programming. Uh, we're on five radio outlets in the audio version of what I'm teaching today. And there's lots of things on the radio out there. You can just listen here. But whatever you hear teaching, you need to do this. He says, test all things. And I love how the Bible's in balance here. Okay? Don't despise prophecy. Don't despise biblical teaching. Don't despise God's instruction given to you. On the other hand, test all things. 
Okay, if you just took one of those without the balance of the other, on one end you'd be gullible, on the other end you wouldn't accept anything. You'd be cynical. Cynical, gullible, that's kind of the opposite ends of that extreme. He wants us to be understanding God wants to speak to us and find the right venues that that takes place, but also test these things. Test these things and see if it's so. How do we do that? We do it by comparing to the Word of God whatever we're being taught. And we have great tools. In fact, we all have access to the Bible. We have electronic devices that we can access text of the Bible anytime. We have all kinds of Bible tools. And the great thing is to be involved in a local church that is founded on the Word of God, that puts a priority on teaching the Word of God, not just talking about whatever subject seems to be popular at the moment, but that's the reason oftentimes, majority of the time, we just, as we've done in this series, and this is now number 13, the 13th session of teaching, going through this five chapter book. So we've been going fairly slow, trying to be detailed, trying to find out where it fits in their life. And that kind of teaching keeps you in balance, by the way. You can't overlook that part. I don't want to talk about that. That's a little controversial. No, you just go on. But you don't get onto some controversial subject or some popular subject and ignore what God really wants to teach us. So a teaching where it just flows with the Word of God. Being in a local church that's all about Bible teaching and putting the priority, valuing. That's the reason we say value and evaluate biblical teaching. Now, there's one last thing he says in verse 21. Hold fast what is good. If you value biblical teaching, if you evaluate what you're being taught in accordance with the Word of God, and by the way, one other test, I should say this. Let me take a moment and say this. You test about his biblical data, but you also test the teacher based on their moral character. Now, they are not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person. You can find fault with anyone. I understand that. that. That takes no energy, no effort to find fault with somebody. But what we do need to do is make sure that they are trying to live, make progress according to God's standards. If someone's just living in a way that doesn't match up with the Word of God, you need to test those things. So the, the morality, the quality of life of that person. Are they telling me the truth? Is there anything hidden? You know, that sort of thing. Get, go through all that. So compare what they're teaching the Word of God, compare their lives with the progress we should be making in the Word of God. But he says, then hold fast what is good. If you value the Word of God and this teaching passes the test, then you hold on to it. You don't let go. Now, there's a picture when I read those words, hold fast what is good, there's a picture that flashes in my mind from my childhood. My father, his favorite breed of dog was a Boston Terrier, a little bulldog. The one we had was about 11 pounds. And when I was six years old, he brought this little puppy home, and that was our pet growing up. Uh, and it was uh, with our family even into my college days, so a long period of time. But this little bulldog loved my father and hated everybody else. <laughs> he tolerated the people in the family just because he had to. But anyone come to the door, he would bark and yap, and if people were strange to him, he would bark and yap. And, but he, he had this tenacity about him being a bulldog. And my brothers and I sometimes would challenge him. We'd take a towel or a piece of rope, and we'd kind of dangle it, and he'd grab a hold of it with his jaws, and you could lift him clear off the ground. He'd still just be hanging on with his jaws. I hope that doesn't qualify as mistreating a dog, but it does tell us this. He was, once he got a bite on it, once he got a grip on it, he was holding on and was not going to let go. If you value the Word of God and the people teaching you value the Word of God and are living the Word of God and you're within a church where the Word of God is at the, at the, one of the hallmarks of what they do, then you be part of that. You hold on and don't let go. You support it with your attendance. You support it with your encouragement. You support it with giving your time and your talents to that ministry. You support it through your gifts. And the folks that are part of the congregation that makes what I do here today possible, I, there's, I just say keep doing what you're doing. You do all those things very well. You love the Word of God. You give, you serve, you jump into experience. Uh, on Sunday when I was teaching this, there was a young lady in our church 
that I saw just before uh, our early service and and she said, I'm heading down to the preschool area. I said, well, that's good. She said, yeah, I'm going to start next week in this ministry, but I wanted to come a week early so I could go down just so I really knew what was going on. I said, well, God bless you for that. So she went to the early service in the preschool. She stayed for the later service to worship. And I just say, well, she just, just jumping in, doing what God wants her to do. So don't stop with those things. You hold on. You hold on fast. Make sure you don't let go. One last one, okay? We, 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 do, we act right in church through allowing the work of the Spirit. We do it through attention to the Word. And lastly, through abstaining from works of evil. That's what he says in verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. So in other words, we stay away from whatever is evil. Now, this, this phrase, every form of evil, some translation will say it every appearance of evil. And, and you can take it, and I've heard it explained either way. One is, is every time evil appears, whatever form it takes, you stay away from it. It can come from any direction. It can come from the mind. It can come from our experience, our environment. It can come from uh, an re emotional reaction. It can come from, you know, anywhere. Uh, listening to the wrong things, wrong influences, whatever. So whatever form it takes, you avoid it. Or if you take it, avoid the appearance of evil. Anything that even looks like evil, stay away from. And then the question is, which is it? Either is it just staying away from every kind of evil or is it staying away from things that just even look like evil? Well, I don't want it to be an either or. I want it to be a both and. I think that's the safest way to go, okay? If it is any form of evil, abstain from it. If it even looks like evil, step back. Why should we get so near the edge that we try to get as close to sin as we can and that's where we stop? No, let's just stay back a little bit. Let's stay away from those things that are suspect. And by the way, it says abstain from every form of evil. Every one of us could right now, just like that, think of something. Just I know it. I know what the Spirit of God would tell me that I need to be abstaining from. He will put the finger of conviction on that. He will convince us of what needs to be and what we need to stay away from. With that in mind, let the, and these all work together, okay? Don't quench the Spirit when He's telling you to stop doing this. What does you stop doing? You stop abstaining from evil. How do you know it's evil? Because you're honoring the Word of God, evaluating it, and valuing its teaching, and you're in a place where it's taught. All these three things work together so that we as a body, and we as individuals within that body of believers, that community of, of faith, that we can be growing, and thereby we are, we are fostering health and effectiveness of the ministry God has called to us, called us to do in the body of Christ. So abstain from every form of evil. And sometimes we do that for the benefit of others. Maybe I have some freedom to do something that other people say, I, I don't, I'm almost sketchy on that. I don't, I don't do that in your face. This is called liberty, Christian liberty. And Paul talks about this in other, other of his epistles, other of his letters. But, you know, if, if this is bothering someone else, calling someone else stumble, I need to pull back. So we do it for the benefit of other people. But we need to abstain from that which is evil from every form. For some of us, that means we need to not click on that next link. We need to turn off the television. We need to avoid going to, into things that are reading material or entertainment that fills our minds with the wrong thing. For some of us, it means to stay away from certain people because they trigger us in a wrong way and push us in a wrong direction. For some of us, it means we just need to clear out the thoughts that normally flow through our mind and spend a little more time praising God, worshiping Him, and being in the Word of God. That would help us. To stay active within my local church so I'm around other people that are a good influence and I can be a good influence on them as well. Encourage them. There's something about the body being together. That's the reason the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need to be together. So we need to do those things. 
So we need to abstain from all of all of the evils around us. And again, that work of the Spirit, the work of the Word, takes us to this point. That's why this is a package, verses 19 through 22. And maybe we just need to say, Lord, what needs to be removed from my life? I think you will instantly know what that is. There'll be something that He'll convict you on. And then you pray about it, you search the Scriptures, you put some accountability into your life, you grow, keep growing in, 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 in the Lord. And sometimes there's a you know, put off and put on. Paul talks about that in some of his letters, you know. I'm going to take this out of my life and I'm going to fill my life with this, okay? You know, rather than getting into that entertainment that leads my mind in the wrong direction, I'm going to reduce that, but I'm going to spend more time in personal devotions, getting along with God, spending time with Him. Maybe that's what we need to do. And I need to take a look at self inside and out. Paul's an example of this. In Acts 26, it's one of the occasions where he talks about his story. He hated Christians. He hated what they were doing. He thought he was doing the work of God by persecuting them, putting them in jail. And then he tells them that story. And you, want, you go there and read it at some point. But he talks about he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, put them in jail. And he meets Jesus. He knocked him off on, flat on his ground. And he says, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He met Jesus, and he was a changed man. For us who have already met Jesus, it's as we grow in him through the work of the Spirit through the ministry of the Word, through taking the choice, the effort to be abstaining from those things which are evil, He lets us serve. And if you don't know Him as Savior, then let me just say this. You need to meet Jesus today. He, you need to come before that one that, that Paul met in a dramatic fashion. Maybe it's not quite with all that drama, but fall down and trust Him as your Savior. Confess your sins, turn from your sins, and turn to Him. Let Him change you. And you will be a changed person if you come to Him. So. Act right in church through allowing the work of the Spirit, attention to His Word, and through abstaining from evil. As we do, we will be healthy and we will be effective as individuals, as families, and even as the body of Christ together. Thank you for joining me for the study. We'll be back for the last part of our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 next time. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the Scriptures. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.